Paul Brody is the global blockchain leader at Ernst & Young. Yes, I said Ernst & Young, one of the big four accounting firms, which nobody ever credits for innovation in the blockchain space, but I think that you will be absolutely mind blown by what they're building and how they're already using blockchain technology to better the lives of their clients and to improve the world. That's dope. When you think of the big four accounting firms, you don't generally think of cryptocurrency, right? You're right. And, uh, you know, accounting firms by nature are very conservative, but they have really no choice but to get into and understand the space. And the reason for that is that starting about 10 years ago, we started to have clients who had material quantities of Bitcoin and digital assets on their balance sheets. And nobody wants to issue an audit opinion that says, we're fine with everything except for this. Like that, you don't want to show that to investors. It looks like you're taking a lot of risk. It looks like you don't know what you're doing. And so they came to realize that all the big four did, that you have to have at least some people who understand this stuff in order to pronounce upon it. And I came to EY, came after working in the technology industry, and very shortly after arriving, I think when I initially came in, it was really focused on blockchain and IoT. But very shortly after arriving, I really convinced the leadership at EY that blockchain is not just something that is kind of interesting or that we need to do. It is a transformational uh, part of the global economy and that we need to be, we need to treat this as a real business, as a real technology transfer opportunity, not just a minimum thing that we have to do. So you're actually adopting the technology rather than just figuring out what someone's cost basis is on their Right. We are taxes. EY, much more than any of the other like big professional services firms, is all in on blockchain technology. And very specifically, we are laser focused on public blockchains. And we're the only firm kind of in that category. Expand on that. What does that mean to be laser focused on public blockchains? How are you utilizing it? How are you incorporating it in your business? So there's kind of three parts to our business. The first is financial statement audits. And there we cover like Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Ethereum Classic. We cover like a whole bunch of different blockchains. All of them, the major public blockchains that have substantial digital assets in them. And our goal there is to support all of our clients who have quantities of assets on the balance sheet. We make a uh, technology that does something very simple, which is uh, reconcile your public blockchain transactions with your business transactions. Can show that you control the wallets and that kind of thing. So that's one part of our business, financial statement audits and related assurance activities. And by the way, we're, we've invested hugely in the core technology to do that. We're the only people who built our own blockchain audit technology. Which platform. I assume also accounts for cost basis, long-term, short-term. Yep. Wallet balances. Just like the Zen ledgers and all the sort of retail-focused platforms, but on a much higher at a, Yeah, at an enterprise scale. Right. If you've been following me for the last few months, then you definitely know that I've been trading and investing on BitGet. Now listen, it took me six months to decide that they were going to be the sponsor for the newsletter. But once I saw their partnership with Juventus, that they were the world's leading copy trading platform in crypto, and also that they're a top five exchange by volume, well, I was sold and I was convinced. And I've been using it ever since to dollar cost average and to invest in Bitcoin. You can also trade there with leverage, but of course, be careful if you're gonna do that. And I don't know if you saw the recent news, but they've also done a deal with Lionel Messi. Big game. A perfect 
Now, you can get up to an $8,000 bonus using my link below, and you can trade spot with absolutely no fees. You also get a 15% discount on trading leverage. Go ahead and sign up right now using the wolfofallstreets.info slash bitget. Claim that huge reward and use the world's best trading platform. Second part of our business is helping our non-audit clients use blockchain as a part of their business. And there are really three big things that are sort of shaping up. Number one, top of the list, finance, right? Our clients are heavily driven by their interest in, in crypto assets and DeFi. So we're building stable coins for clients. We are uh, developing DeFi protocols. We've built tools for, we built a whole blockchain simulator that allows you to test smart contracts in a simulation environment before you deploy them. Uh, and DeFi is our number one business. Number two business for us, supply chain, traceability, uh, origin, you know, we can show is it organic. You go to Italy, you pick up a bottle of Peroni beer, there's a QR code on that. Every Peroni batch of beer is tracked on the blockchain through EY's ops chain technology on public Ethereum. That's absolutely incredible. Why does nobody know about this? I, you know, we're, we're an audit firm. We're not, we're not exactly the biggest advertisers, but we're very focused on where we are. I don't want to say call us ETH Maxis, but we are laser focused on public Ethereum. The only really big partnership we have was with Polygon because they're also heavily focused on public Ethereum. Uh, so we do finance. We do a lot of supply chain. We're rapidly growing our ESG business. A lot of companies, especially post merge, are looking at tracking their carbon outputs and offsets on Ethereum or Polygon. What a world. It is kind of amazing. <laughs> we were talking about uh, using Ethereum to track ESG when Ethereum was until very recently a culprit, right? At, yeah, but to a very in, small in degree. The mind and, of the, in the mind of regulators yes. and legislators in the ESG narrative. Yeah. Yes, to some degree. Uh, and then last thing that we do is we are huge investors in core blockchain technology with one particular focus, which is blockchain privacy. If you think about enterprise transactions, public blockchains are the only type of blockchain worth having, to be clear. Like, we're, at the end of the day, I always like to say, private blockchains, not really a thing, right? What is the point of having a centrally managed, decentralized ledger? I would argue there really isn't. We might as well just be the Visa network and right. uh, be centralized and be faster. <laughs> exactly. It would be faster and cheaper. If you want a centralized network, just build a centralized network. So for us... We're laser focused on public blockchains, fundamentally key to decentralization. But we also know that enterprises are never going to use these at scale for sensitive business activities if they don't have privacy. And so the big investment we have made over the last six or seven years is blockchain privacy technology. And we've developed two really key technologies that we have donated into the public domain. The first is called Nightfall. Nightfall is a zero-knowledge proof-based optimistic rollup that lets you transact under privacy, ERC-20s, 721s, 1155s, under privacy as a layer two on Ethereum. We developed all the technology for this. We donated in the public domain. I'm really happy Polygon is now running Polygon Nightfall as an enterprise-focused layer two privacy network. I'm a huge Polygon fan, so I keep up on top of all of it, yeah. The relationship that we have with Polygon is amazing. Like we looked at all the layer twos and I'm not dissing the other layer twos, which are, are quite amazing. But when we started talking to Polygon and we realized they have this, a lot of people at Polygon have a real enterprise background. 
when we talk to people about like privacy, a lot of them don't really understand it. The Polygon guys got it immediately. Like, yes, that's for enterprise. You need that. And, um, and so Polygon's been amazing to work with. And Polygon Nightfall is kind of the first scaled up layer two that's privacy centric. So that's super exciting. And we have another technology coming called Starlight. So Polygon Nightfall lets you move tokens around under privacy. Starlight allows you to encode business logic, the core stuff of smart contracts, as a zero knowledge circuit. So the goal eventually is that I can have the full ecosystem, smart contracts, shared business logic, and private transfer of assets on public networks. It's absolutely incredible. And you talk about Polygon, I mean, Starbucks, Facebook, Ernst & Young, right? It makes sense, but that seems to be who's sort of winning the layer two battle as far as uh, big name partnerships. It is, they're doing an amazing job. I will say like the layer two game is, that's where now all the competition is moving. The most, especially post-merge, I believe the landscape has changed. For a long time, we've sort of been very Ethereum focused at EY for a variety of reasons. Number one, it's pragmatic, right? If you're gonna be, if you can only pick one thing, if you have a limited engineering budget, just be good at one thing. I wanna be, and I think we, we are, the best on earth at Ethereum. I don't wanna be pretty good at 20 blockchains, I wanna be the best at Ethereum. So we've been laser focused on that, and they're the biggest, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they have the network effect, they've been around the longest, they're the... But a lot of people have doubted Ethereum. They've said, oh, you know, they've been talking about the merge for years, have they really done it? Now that we're post-merge, I really believe that competitive landscape has changed. This, this idea of ETH killers is over. Where we are headed now is a battle for layer two. That's the most important competitive battle going on in the whole blockchain ecosystem today. So moving forward, you view Ethereum as the sediment layer underneath all of these layer twos, threes, four. Last time I interviewed Sandeep, actually, we were talking about layer six and layer seven because that's where he believes it'll have to go if we're gonna to scale to billions of people, like the entire world using the Ethereum network, even layer twos and potentially layer threes won't be enough. So we did do our math and I think, I don't know if we'll get to layer six or layer seven, but we did a calculation and we've sat down, to give you an example, our biggest industrial client mints a half a million NFTs a day. Now, that's one product. And on average, that product moves four times before it gets the end of its kind of end user. So. That's 2 million transactions a day per product under privacy. By our calculation, even with sharding, layer two is not enough, right? Because if you, if they say you mint on layer two and you move then to manage your privacy in layer three, I think we're gonna get to layer threes pretty quickly. And our calculation is when we bring on kind of a lot of the world's industrial infrastructure, we're gonna need about 4 billion transactions a day capacity. That's my expectation for the industrial side of the blockchain ecosystem. When you talk about moving the industry onto the blockchain, are we talking about supply chain? Yeah, global supply chains, right? You've got a car, a car has 4,000 parts in it. Each part has a token. So if, if you look at that car, if I looked at the car as a data set on chain, I would say that car based on the tokens that make it up, uh, and each token will have all these values and data attached to it. So I can look at that that collection of tokens that makes up this car. And I can say, this car is 42% American, it's 15% Canadian, it's 19% Mexican. The total is enough that it qualifies for MCA or NAFTA. 
right? Um, the combined carbon footprint of all the tokens in this car is 6,000 kilograms. And then the combined offset is 6,000 kilograms. So your car is carbon neutral. I know where it's sourced. I know where it came from. I know I can identify all the potential manufacturers. And all of this could be done under privacy. And then the token holders, the car owner, can see the history, but everybody else cannot. Mind-blowing. I mean, I don't know if it's mind-blowing, but it's, I think it's, think of it this way. Everyone in industry talks about a digital twin. This is a digital twin that's transactable. I can move all the pieces around. I can buy it. I can sell it. I can borrow against it. This kind of makes a true financial and operational digital twin. I like that you said that the notion of an Ethereum killer is dead. Yes. I would argue it was never a viable argument. Um, I think in the early days it was. Like I, one, I'm a huge fan of like technology history. And one of my observations is that when ecosystems seem to be about less than 10 years old, there's a lot of churn. And I, uh, if you go look at like the early days of PC operating systems, it wasn't clear super early on that Windows or Mac were gonna be winners. Sure. But it emerged within about a decade. I've, I've been a believer that the market for Ethereum killers has actually been dead for like four or five years. But I think the rest of the world is coming to see that as truth now. I mean, other layer ones will certainly continue to exist and li largely be successful, which means the story becomes interoperability. I don't think they will be that successful. Really? So I think um, this is a classic example of Metcalf's law. The more valuable the network becomes. And, and the longer it exists. And the longer it exists. But also, like, bridges are what keep getting burned and, burned and blown up. So this idea of interoperability based on bridges doesn't carry a lot of weight. It looks risky to me. If I could, with layer twos, the big issue with Ethereum was transaction costs. And, and speed. With, and speed. Although I think, I think speed is overrated. I always used to joke with clients. I'm like, the 30 and net 30 at the enterprise level is not milliseconds. It's days. Right. You know, I think if you're a financial trader, maybe the speed matters. I think for almost all business applications, payments, B2B, purchasing, procurement, it doesn't like... It doesn't so matter. basically the bar is set so low... <laughs> by what we have right now, that right. Ethereum is lightning fast relative. Relatively speaking, and, and once we solve the gas price issue with layer twos, the value proposition of, hey, I can bridge this other chain seems not just low value, but actually more risky. Yeah, that makes sense. How did you land here personally? Well, what was your story? How did you end up doing this? You obviously have a deep passion and knowledge. So I spent many years... I. I had some of the circuitous path. I spent quite a few years at IBM. I ended up at IBM as a vice president of the global electronics industry, which is a, was an awesome job. And it was a lot of fun. And, and the greatest perk of this job was that each year we would pick one topic to like really dive into and understand what the future looks like. And the cool thing about that is when you're doing that, you're, you're going to talk to like Nobel Prize winning experts, like really like IBM research, IBM brilliant here, people. Yeah. And so one year we picked IoT networks and we were trying to figure out like, why is it that companies spend all this money in centralized computing infrastructure when the devices that they're trying to manage are really smart? Can't they manage themselves? Shouldn't there be distributed computing? And so we started going down this path of like, shouldn't device networks manage themselves? And shouldn't they be able to monetize themselves 
And we were looking for technologies that would help enable this, to build a prototype. And one of the, my colleagues came to me and said, what do you guys think about Bitcoin? I'm like, I don't even know what Bitcoin yeah, is. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> right? This I is remember. 2013. Oh, early. Yeah. And um, I was like, what is Bitcoin? And I learned about Bitcoin. So I was like, this is really cool. And we were sort of going down the Bitcoin path. And one of my colleagues came back to me and he's like, dude, I met this guy, Vitalik. And I think Ethereum is what we really want. It's a computing platform, not a money platform. And so we built IBM's first prototype blockchain on the alpha version of Ethereum. Wow. And once I went down that rabbit hole, I was like, I have to do this. And although IBM is famously now very pro-blockchain, at the time wasn't so enthusiastic. And I was like, I, I need to do this. This is what I have to go do. And so in the end, I went to a place where I thought there was an appetite for blockchain and crypto that I could kind of build on. So you've been tracking, using, programming on Ethereum since day one. Yeah, pretty much the alpha version. And, uh, you know, since I've been, I've been at EY now for about seven years, I've been the global blockchain leader since we invented the title. I made it up six and a half years ago. I am the global blockchain leader. I'll right. Hail. And <laughs> at this point, I think I've outlasted like every other blockchain leader and every other large SI enterprise. Like we've, I've been very fortunate even though EY is a very old school firm, the senior leadership have been like, we believe in what you're doing. We believe in your vision. And they backed me numerous times when other people said, we should be doing private blockchains. We should be doing this. We should be doing that. And they're like, no, we're sticking to the public blockchain vision. We're sticking to the Ethereum vision. We have a plan. We're going to follow it. I mean, you're talking about having customers that meant 2 million NFTs. That means that you didn't just uh, catch on to the trend last summer when no. everybody was uh, printing cartoons. You've obviously been very passionate and way ahead of the curve on that. Yes, and at times it's been very lonely. I always joke like now that everyone's like, oh yeah, public blockchains, Ethereum, we're on board. I'm like, I don't know how to feel when other people agree with me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very awkward. So what's the future for Ernst & Young in blockchain? I mean, you've obviously you're far beyond what everybody else is doing, but it's still early. This is, these are still the first iterations. So the future is a couple of things for us. So big priority for me, just like we got we to gotta industrialize privacy. It's not enough to make a prototype. You've got to industrialize it. You've got to bake it into product. You've got to sell clients on it. You've got to deliver. So that's like, we have, we got to deliver on that. And that's a big personal priority for me. Second big like priority for us in the future is expanding the range of use cases. So supply chain, NFTs, ESG, DeFi, what else? Like in the end, what I really want to get to is like, I believe any B2B transaction can be done on chain. Tokenize everything. Tokenize everything and, and smart contract all of your business relationships. Um, so that's my second big priority. And then I think that the third big priority is educate our clients, regulators, central banks, show them that you can be regulatory compliant, you can be a good actor, that this is an ecosystem that can be trustworthy and functional, and we can accelerate transformation using this technology. It's not something that we should be afraid of. Let's say you're Tesla or Ford or General Motors, and 
your grandest vision of everything's tokenized and on a blockchain, what do those companies look like in the future versus where they're at now? So I think a sort of fully blockchain native company of the future has a couple of important characteristics. And one of them is it can transact, it, first of all, it needs virtually no capital, right? Because anything that's in your business can be tokenized. You can embed all the financial services in the core. So you need far less capital, right? Um, transacting with other businesses should be lower risk. It should be much faster. Like one of my measures is SG&A, right? Companies spend, depending on the company, 5 to 20% of their business on operating the business. Right. And it's not productive. It's not product development. It's not making product. People. It's administration, matching invoices with purchase orders, right? We ought to be able to, we know, I know we can. Like we built a smart contract system for Microsoft, for the Xbox video game network. We cut the cycle time for completing monthly statements from 45 days to two minutes. The, the, the process improvement that we can deliver with blockchain is, is out of this world. I also think, and, and this is something that is less for the Fords and the big companies of this world and more for the small companies, we live in the golden age of digital monopolies. There's never been more, the, the power of networks means that if you become the center of a network, you're extremely powerful. And these companies, they are extracting more than their fair share of value. In a blockchain-based world, we can have digital commerce on public networks without a central authority to take an outsized share, without an organization that can say, you know what? I've been monitoring all the data going back and forth, and I like your business. I want to enter your business. And now that I've seen all this data, I know what your prices are. I know your customers are. That's the kind of thing that's going on in these digital monopolies. They're not just benignly connecting buyers and sellers. They are monetizing the data. They are maximizing their own profit. And they're maximizing their profits. And I think a public blockchain-centric world is one where small businesses have a fair shot of capturing the value that they create. And so we will create a fair commercial ecosystem in that world. My next question is a trap and you don't have to answer it. But it sounds like in this perfect world, your part of Ernst & Young could put the rest of Ernst & Young out of business. You know, we used to get, it's very early on, we would have, we would have these conversations. We talk about like the value of blockchain, the power of like the distributed ledger, the verification tools. And some of the partners, especially on the audit side, the business are like, is this going to put us out of business? Yeah, like, well, if, if it's all there on the blockchain, what do you need a human for to audit the... Fraud springs eternal. Like, will always be a need for auditors because, and we've seen this, we just saw a round of this, right? Um, people will always find clever ways to conceal the truth, to overcomplicate it, to make things seem transparent when they're not. Um, and to blow things up. And to blow things <laughs> up. And there will always be a value for a thoughtful third party. I think the power of blockchain isn't that we get rid of trusted parties. The power of blockchain is that we get rid of powerful monopolists in the center. There'll still be role for trusted parties, but you'll be able to choose and there'll be competition. But those trusted parties could also be blockchain native oracles and... Exactly. So it's sort of this infinite regress of technology where eventually it's just people being replaced by smart contracts. Yes, although I think, again, right, oh, I'm, somebody a big has to. I'm a big believer in the value, like automation usually leads to more consumption, not less. 
Well, I wish that uh, everybody knew Ernst & Young's story better. I'm, I'm glad that we can share it here because I don't think people know that this is happening at this level. And I think they know of some small crypto projects that are doing little parts of this, and you're already doing it at scale with massive companies. The thing I always strive for is like you started the interview like talking about the big four. I don't want to be lumped in that category. We're, I want us to be a category of one, the best in the world, a public blockchain, period, end of story. Well, I think you're doing it. So <laughs> thank you for your work. Appreciate it. My pleasure.